Hey, what's up? I am Aaron Dodson, and you're listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. Psalm 119 verse 34 best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and that we might observe it with our whole hearts. This is a continuation of the episode series on the book of Matthew. Matthew is such an important book, as are all of them. Matthew is the gospel account written by a Jew to Jews about a Jew. Matthew is the writer, his countrymen are the readers, and Jesus Christ is the subject. Matthew's purpose is to present Jesus as the King of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah. And through a carefully selected series of Old Testament quotes, Matthew documents Jesus Christ's claim to be the Messiah. Starts out with his genealogy, his baptism, his messages, his miracles, and all of those point to the same inescapable conclusion that Christ is King. Matthew chapter 4 is where we are today, and I'm going to title this episode, Elevating the Father's Will. Jesus always elevated his Father's will above and over his own. I'll be reading the text. I'm doing this in each one. Hope that you are enjoying this so that if you are traveling from home to work, etc., you can hear the Word of God read and it will benefit you uh, in your busy life. You know, you may find yourself being very busy, but you want more than anything to know the Word of God and you want to study it more, and I hope this will only help you in that endeavor. I'll be reading Matthew chapter 4. There are 25 verses. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, 
the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death light has dawned. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame, that is the report of him, went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. That's the reading of Matthew 4, verses 1 through 25. And they emphasize the truth that Jesus always elevated his Father's will over his own. There are a few references that I want to read briefly from the book of John, chapter 4, verse 34, that supplement this great truth that Jesus always elevated his Father's will over his own. Jesus on another occasion said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, John 4, 34. And then on another occasion, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel, John 5, 20. And then John six thirty eight. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so, Jesus was serious about doing his Father's will. This is the will of the Father who sent me, he went on to say, that all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Being 100% God, Jesus was able to voluntarily put himself in a situation where he could be tempted when he became a human being, when he became a man. And there are many passages that teach this concept. One of them that is well-known and well-loved is Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And when you read about the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness, the passage that I just read, it reveals the truth that, again, he voluntarily put himself in a situation where he could be tempted as a man. <clears throat> Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it 
robbery to be equal with God. The idea is he did not consider being equal to God something to be held on to. But instead, verse 7, he made himself of no reputation. That is, he emptied himself of his privileges, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, etc. Beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. Jesus put himself in a position where he could be tempted so that he could sympathize with our weaknesses as the book of Hebrews teaches. There are about four main ideas that I want us to gather, that I want us to meditate on from Matthew chapter 4. And they're very simple, yet they're very powerful and deep, rich truths that I think will help each of us. First, the reality of temptation. The temptations described in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, were all actual legitimate enticements for Jesus to transgress God's will. Truly, he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4, 15. He was hungry, but it was not God's will for him to turn stones into bread. He had charge of the angels, but it was not God's will that he use the angels for selfish purposes. He would be given the nations as an inheritance, Psalm 2, verse 8, but it would not be an earthly kingdom, and it certainly would not come from Satan. We, like Jesus, are tempted to violate God's will for us, to sin. For Christ, desire did not conceive and give birth to sin. And we are to follow in his example with the help of his word. His word teaches us right from wrong. His word gives us the right motivation. His son gives us the right motivation and all that we need to overcome sin. It's our decision not Satan's, not God's. I recently encountered an individual who believed that Satan could overpower our own will. Folks, there is not a verse in its context that teaches that. No one can override our free will. If it were the case that Satan could override our will, would it not be the case that God could override our free will? Well, I suppose God could because he is sovereign, but he will not because he gives us free will and it's our responsibility to make decisions. So if God will not overpower our own will, but Satan can, supposedly, as some think, then that would mean Satan is more powerful than God. That Satan has access to something that God prohibits himself from doing. It doesn't make any sense. Again, there's no passage of Scripture. Temptation is real, and it's up to us what we do with it. Listen to the brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, James chapter 1, verses 13 and following. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. 
pause there. Was Jesus ever drawn away by his own desires and enticed? He absolutely was because he was tempted. But look at verse 15. Notice in verse 14 that being tempted is not the sin. Being tempted is not a sin. Our Lord was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4.15. So being tempted is not sin. It's what we do with it. James 1, verse 15, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. When does, when does desire conceive? When we have a desire, we're enticed, we have opportunity to do it, and we do it. We act on it. It's an overt act. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death, separation. So when we look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, truly, the reality, the reality of temptation was there. And we, like Jesus, we're tempted to sin. For Christ, his desire did not conceive and give birth to sin. Why? He elevated the Father's will over his own. He denied himself. And we're to follow in that example. Consider next with me in elevating the Father's will, not only the reality of temptation from Mark chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 4, but the focus of Jesus. Jesus had been without food for 40 days. That's incredible to think about. And he was very hungry. Now, I think the only way he could do that is by being very, very focused. But truth is, ultimately, it does not change the fact that he was weak physically. But though he was weak physically, he was strong spiritually. He was determined spiritually, because he was focused on doing the Father's will. And he had been focused even before this at the age of 12, Luke 2, 49. I must be about my Father's business. And he continued this focus. And his focus is what led him to elevate the will of the Father above his own. He kept that focus through his whole life on earth even through the trials and the crucifixion that he endured. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, one of my favorite passages. Jesus went a little farther in the garden. He fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. A good question for us is, have we made Jesus our unchanged focused? Are we totally focused on Jesus? You know, it's easy to think or to say, why well, go to church services Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? I even participate in some of the other events as much as I can. That's really good. That is really good. But what about the other 164-ish hours in a week? Have we made Jesus our unchanged focus? The focus of our Lord Jesus was his Father and his Father's will. And no doubt us. He had us in his heart and in his mind. 
when he lived his ministry and when he died on the cross for all of mankind. The reality of temptation shows us that he elevated the Father's will above his own, his focus on his Father's will, but also the power of Scripture shows us that Jesus elevated his Father's will above his own. Look back at Matthew chapter 4, verses 4, 7, and 10. Jesus elevated his Father's will above his own by quoting Scripture three times in response to Satan's temptations. Let's look at them. Verse 4, again, man shall not live. It is written. That's our way of saying the Bible says. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Look at verse 7. It is written in another place, or again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 10, away with you. That means like, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. You see that phrase again? It is written. The Bible says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Jesus totally relied upon his Father's word to resist temptation. And the same concept is true for us when we know and apply God's word to our lives. We too will have the devil fleeing from us. Again, some have mistakenly thought, no, Satan is so powerful, he can override your will, and you're just helpless. You have to throw yourself at the sacrifice of Jesus. Folks, we do throw ourselves at the sacrifice of Jesus. We, we're, we're damned without the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. But that does not mean that we do not have our own free will. That does not mean that Satan can overtake our own will. When we know and apply God's word to our lives, we too can have Satan flee from us. The scripture says that. Look at what, again, what Jesus' half-brother said, James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Therefore, since God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, resist the devil. Or excuse me, let me read this correctly. Since God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, verse 7 Therefore, submit to God. This is something we have the ability to do. Otherwise, God is commanding the impossible. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice, it doesn't say let God submit you to him. No, you submit to God. You resist the devil. God doesn't resist the devil for us. We have to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. No doubt, all of this is done through God's word. <laughs> we learn how to submit to God. We learn how to resist the devil. We know we learn what temptation and sin is, and, and we learn through God's word how to draw near to him and how to cleanse our hands and to purify our hearts and these things, James 4, 7 and 8. A good question for us regarding elevating the Father's will and the power of Scripture. Do we apply God's Word to our lives by following Jesus' example of using Scripture to remain faithful? This is such an important truth, an important point. Oh, how I need this in my life each day. The power of God's Word. 
and how we're to take it up. And in another place, the Apostle Paul wrote that we're to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And with that, we are able to defend ourselves and to fight against the wicked things of Satan. Let's, let's notice uh, last here from Matthew chapter 4, last idea that I'd like to consider with you. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, the blessing of resisting temptation. When the temptations were over, Matthew records the devil left Jesus, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now, in another gospel account, it says that... Um, you know, he came back at a opportune, another opportune time. And I think that's Luke's account. But at that time, there was the blessing of resisting. That the devil left, and God's angels ministered to him. Today, God ministers, he ministers to us through his word. He does that before temptation, during the temptation, and after we resist the temptation. God is faithful to provide a way of escape. And we must remember that the testing of our faith produces perseverance, patience, if we will let patience have its perfect work. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul wrote in the context of how Israel of old had what they needed Yet they thought they were all alone in the wilderness, and they blamed God, and they tempted Christ. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The idea there is, that you may be able to endure it. So God provides a way of escape, and we will be blessed when we take that door of escape. Again, we need to remember that these times of trials and difficulties, that they're not fun. Sometimes they're very, very hard. But we need to remember, strive to remember, pray that God will bless us and help us to remember. As, again, James wrote, James 1, verse, verses 2 through 8, that we're to count it all joy when we fall into these various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. That's the word patience, perseverance. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be complete, that is perfect, mature, and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that person suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We must not be double-minded, but full-hearted, fully given in our hearts to the Lord, serving him. And when we go through these trials, we pray for wisdom. And God will give us wisdom. That's what James wrote, James 1.5. There's a lot of good things here in, in Matthew chapter uh, 4. I highlighted the temptations of Jesus because I wanted us just to keep in mind that these temptations were real. They were all legitimate enticements for Jesus to transgress God's will. 
I don't want us to read through this or think through this and have this idea that, well, Jesus was the Son of God. It was easy for him to overcome temptations because he was God and he had miraculous powers and these kinds of things. No, he subjected himself to temptations. He made himself vulnerable in becoming a human being. He truly did. And remember, again, remember, he was hungry, but it wasn't God's will for him to turn stones into bread. He had charge of the angels, but it was not God's will that he used the angels for selfish purposes. He would be given the nations as an inheritance, but it wouldn't be an earthly kingdom, and it wouldn't be given him from Satan. And if you're not sure about that, that he would be given the nations as an inheritance, you might check out the Messianic Psalms, Psalm 2, verse 8, and 1 Peter 2, verses 5 and 9. Jesus would be and was, after his resurrection, given the nations as an inheritance. But it was not an earthly kingdom, as he had stated before Pilate, John 18, 36. These are all real temptations that our Lord resisted with the power of God's word. And in doing this, he elevated the will of the Father above his own. And after this trying time, he went through the country of Galilee and preached that people need to change their hearts for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. It was drawing near. And he began choosing disciples, apostles, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and others later, and then ministering to people's needs. He began preaching and teaching in the synagogues all around Galilee. He began healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And again, this reflects the fact that Matthew is the gospel written by a Jew to Jews about a Jew, and he's writing to his countrymen, and Jesus is the subject, and he is trying to present Jesus as the king of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah. And through his record of Jesus' messages and his miracles, his works, all these miracles he was doing in Galilee just, just prior to the great Sermon on the Mount, all of these point to the same inescapable conclusion. Jesus is the Christ, and he is king. And we see that all the way through, even in his death. His seeming defeat is turned into victory by his resurrection from the dead. And we'll get there eventually, Lord willing. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this study through Matthew, I hope that you will share it with others and that it will bless the lives of others as well. I'm enjoying this and it's forcing me, it's requiring me to go through every verse in each chapter and at least consider them. This is not an exhaustive study by any means. I'm hitting certain highlights that I wanted to share in, in each episode, but I hope that you're enjoying it. Thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast, and I will catch you next time.